0: It's so exciting to be together tonight, isn't it? To have so many more of us here. Uh, it's just so good. God is already doing things. Thank you, ladies, for the amazing worship. That was wonderful. Yeah, so you can give them a little clap real quick. I love this conference. I love our family of churches. I love my Jubilee family. Shout out to my community group girls. Love them. Um, and I'm just so, so humbled and honored to be able to share. Tonight, And I look around and I see many women who have walked with me in really dark times. It's contagious, Abby. No, I'm crying. Um, Who just walked with me in really dark times where I wouldn't be walking with the Lord the same way that I am without them. So I'm just so thankful that God has blessed us with such a rich family. And the things that I'm going to share tonight are things that God has been speaking to me. So I am sharing as a student, not an expert. And I pray that the Holy Spirit just speaks to us through his word. So I'm just going to say a quick prayer for us, and then we'll jump right in. Jesus, we thank you for your presence. We thank you that your word is living and active, so we can come expecting to hear from you. I pray you open our ears to hear what you want to say. Soften our hearts to be bold to respond with what you're speaking So, God, we're just so thankful. You say when two or more are gathered, there is your presence also. So we know that you're here. So we just invite you to come in your name. Amen. So I remember when Wonder Woman with Gal Gadot came out in 2017. I'm a big superhero fan, so I was very excited to go see it, plus Gal Gadot. She's amazing. And now this movie has been out for six years. So if I spoil something, well, I'm gonna basically spoil the whole movie. So if you have not seen it, I'm sorry. You have had plenty of time, but still go see it. But still go see it. Now in the movie, her mission is to go stop this man that she believes to be the God of War, Ares, who's allegedly leading what is World War I. And there's this legend of this special weapon called the God Killer. And so she goes and gets this weapon to go complete her mission. So she's going, because she believes that he's going to be where the fighting is the worst. So he goes to, so she goes to this place called No Man's Land because... No man has ever made it to the other side. So you get where that's going. <laughs> so she goes where the fighting is the worst, and she's ready to go find him. And it's called no man's land because there is little to no protection. There is no line of defense from the enemy. So if you go up there, it's very easy that you are going to get hit. And so she gets there, and she's getting ready to go up. And uh, the guy she goes with, who's a spy named Steve, played by Chris Pine, she, <laughs> she goes up, and he's like, that's not what we came here to do. And she goes but it's what I'm going to do. So she stands up and she starts going. She starts taking all the fire on herself and there's this slow motion where this bullet just like, it's like how she sees it is different than how everyone else. It's slow motion. She just goes, And the bullet goes by. And so she's deflecting missiles, dodging bullets. So as she's taking all of the fire on herself, the troops are able to advance, and they're able to get to the other side. And it's amazing. It is a really cool scene. So if you haven't seen it, you feel like I'm advertising the movie. I'm really not. But it is, it's just fascinating. Does anybody else uh, picture themselves as the main character of movies when they watch them? Anybody? Okay, I'm not the only one. And so I remember watching this movie and thinking like, yep, we're the same. I can handle anything that the world throws at me, and then quickly, I started to feel a little sorry for myself. It's embarrassing to say, but I really started to feel that way, like, yep, it is just me and my responsibilities against the world. Lone soldier, no one beside me, as if she was someone to be like. And at the end of the movie, we find out that she is who the legend was about all along, that she is the god killer, that she was specifically created and designed to be able to kill gods on her own. And the message is really clear. She was able to do what no one else could do, and she did it all by herself. All she needed was herself. Now, the difference between Wonder Room and I, well, among many things, is that when I go out and try to do things on my own abilities with my own understanding, it does not work out so well for me. (laughs) I'm not out here dodging missiles and deflecting bullets. Quite the opposite. It's not just that things don't go my way. It's not where just things don't work out for me. Where my trust lies becomes really evident. When life feels out of control, when I feel vulnerable, i am in pain, and when something I don't want to happen is happening, my response can be to protect myself, that I am a sufficient line of defense. But rather than having peace, I find myself filled with anxiety and fear. And rather than having rest, I find myself exhausted. And I'm forced to eventually ask myself the question, am I the best protector of my life? And I find great encouragement from David in the Psalms. It gives me a lot of comfort that I don't hear the superhero message. I hear someone who needed help. So let's take a look at Psalm 62 at how David handled the situation. I'm going to read verses 1 and 2 and then jump to 7 and 8. For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation. My fortress, I shall not be greatly shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in him at all times. Oh, people, pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. David spent many years of his life running from people who were trying to attack and kill him. King Saul, who was jealous of David and didn't want him to become king. And then when David did become king, his very own son Absalom thought he could be a better king. So while hiding for his life in a cave, I imagine feeling fearful and alone David is reminding the deepest part of him that this self-constructed tower is not his real refuge. The words only and alone are found five times just in these eight verses, emphasizing that our one true refuge for him and for us is God alone. I worked in finance for almost six years and something we would never tell anyone to do was to put all of their eggs in one basket. It's wise to diversify your wealth and and different risk tolerances and adjust as you go and you go to get the hopefully the best outcome. So this seems like not very good advice at first to put all your stock, all your hope, all your trust in one place. And then having that one place be something you cannot control or manage. But David tells us the opposite is true when it comes to God that the only place that we find true rest is when we do not diversify our trust. See, David needed a joy that was deeper and stronger the more difficult things got. And rather than go and fight, we see wait in silence. So when I think about waiting, I think about what Isaiah says, waiting does for our souls. Isaiah 40, verses 28 through 31. Have you not known... Have you not heard? The Lord is an everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Waiting takes a lot of trust. And the longer we wait for things and we don't find relief, the longer we wait for things and what we're waiting for doesn't happen, doubt starts to enter. Am I waiting for the right thing? Am I a fool? Waiting is a way of resting back in Christ as our anchor and allowing him to renew our strength. When we wait, we are not making an attempt to do things on our own, but we are reminding ourselves of what God has already done, that he knows what we need, he knows how we need it, and he knows exactly when we need it. And the more I trust in something, the more I am willing to wait. Who are you willing to wait for? No matter what, no matter how long. We regularly encounter a migration of trust. Our hearts drift and we need to journey back to our true foundation. That is why David is reminding the deepest part of him that his trust is in God alone. And I wonder if while David was in that cave, I'm sure he had plenty of time to think as he's thinking of God's faithfulness, if Moses came to mind. In Exodus 17, we see Moses in a really similar situation where if God did not show up, he and God's people were not going to make it. And rather than running right into action, he does what David references, He recognizes that God alone is his rescue. Exodus 17, all the congregation of the people of Israel moved on from the wilderness of sin by stages. As far as wildernesses go, that sounds like a pretty bad one. (laughs) According to the commandment of the Lord and camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore, the people quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water and the people grumbled against Moses and said, why did you bring us out of Egypt? To kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? Now pause, it's very easy to want to judge the Israelites at this part for their short-term memory loss because they had just seen manna fall from heaven. They had just seen the Red Sea parted and they're questioning God. But when it says that they thirsted, It's not just that they were a little parched. Have you ever been in a desert for three days with no water? Have you gone three days at all without any water or fluids of any kind? I haven't. I don't know thirst like that. So if I'm going to empathize a little bit with the Israelites, I would be a little bit more than panicky myself. They were worried for their lives, threatening Moses and questioning God. Verse four, so Moses cried out to the Lord, what should I do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me. Now stoning was a judicial execution, not mob violence. So this is essentially a lawsuit against Moses. So according to the law, if Moses was found guilty by God not being with them, like he said he was, then they could legally stone him. So Moses is saying, if God, if you do not show up, it's over for me, (laughs) I'm done. They're going to kill me. Verse 5, The Lord said to Moses, Pass on before the people, taking with you some elders of Israel, take in your hand a staff with which you struck the Nile and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock of Hareb, and you will strike the rock, and water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the name of the place Masa, which means tested, and Meribah, which means quarreling or lawsuit, because of the quarreling of the people of Israel and because they tested the Lord, saying, is the Lord among us or not? The real problem here is not that the Israelites needed water. The real problem is that the Israelites thought that their biggest need was water. The real problem was that they were questioning the presence of God. Does this look like freedom or happiness to you? Absolutely not. So that must mean that God is no longer with us or he never was. But Moses is not the hero of the story. Here's my little prop. This is. Psalm 62.2. He alone Is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. The rock is a very easily overlooked character of this story, but actually the most important one. (laughs) What was struck because of the sin of Israel where living waters flowed from? What took the hit for the corrupt hearts of the Israelites? The rock. And for you and for me, the rock of our salvation is Jesus, who was struck so his people could have life. We deserve to be struck. But God, being rich in mercy, The things that we are afraid of, God has already taken on himself, on his son. That is why Jesus is our true refuge. And he didn't just take the hit, he rose again. He took the punishment we deserved upon ourselves. And it was in the wilderness where what was in the Israelites' heart came to the surface. Where is Jesus in the midst of your suffering? Because the only things in life that have improved it are the good things? Says who? Though we may not be immediately removed from the deserts in our life, we are given everything we need to be sustained through them in Jesus. And I want to be very clear, I am by no means in any way wanting to make light of the true pain and evil that has happened in this room. We do not have a God that is without empathy, who is without compassion for the evil that happens in this life, so much so that he sent his only son to do something about it. The confidence we have in affliction is that God alone has freed us from it. And because of Jesus, no pain will last forever. Every tear will be wiped away and everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Jesus offers us a hope that goes beyond our circumstances. And if you do not know Jesus as your Savior, if you do not know him as the one who died on the cross for you so that you could have a relationship with him forever, we would love for you to know him as that today. We would love to pray for you. He has a plan and a purpose for your life that is so much bigger, that is so much greater than you could ever imagine, and he is desperate to meet with you. So we would love to pray with you today. I have experienced God's saving grace in my life. I have personally experienced how deceiving the lie can be of trying to be your own protector. I was born in St. Joseph, Missouri. There's a good crew, Living Hope, yes. Good crew. I was born in St. Joseph, Missouri, and I had my life planned out by the time I was 13. I know, impressive. It was a pretty good plan, too. I was going to go to Mizzou's J School and become a news anchor. I was going to get married at 22, you know, finish college, have a year, and then get married. And then I was going to have kids late at 25. <laughs> Not how I perfectly planned. Our family moved from St. Joseph, Missouri to Washington. Where's my Washington girls? Yes, yes. To Washington, Missouri. And to say that this move was hard for me would be a big understatement. I had a perfect plan and God messed it up. I moved away from my friends, my home, and what felt like my future. We moved five days before Christmas, I remember, because we wrapped all of our presents up and put it in the back of the van as we moved. Had a little Charlie Brown Christmas tree that year. And all my siblings and I started school halfway through the year. Now, if middle school was good for you, I am very happy for you. (laughs) Middle school was not, I didn't like middle school. It was not great. And starting halfway through the year, it was harder to make friends because girls were already in their little groups. And middle school boys, well, those were middle school boys, I was sad. (laughs) I hit a nerve over there. (laughs) I'm getting serious. No. (laughs) I was sad. And I was lonely. And I was angry at God. With my life feeling like it was falling apart, my armor went up. And exactly a year after we moved, I was diagnosed with anorexia. And that time I had gone from a 5'5", five 13-year-old five, athlete at 120 pounds to 78 pounds by the Christmas the following year. But my body was just an external display of an internal reality. I was desperately trying to keep myself safe from the pain that I felt. And the more I tried to guard myself, the weaker I got in every sense. And the lie was that I could, that no one could protect me like me, that I could discern what circumstances in my life were good and which ones were bad rather than God. My daily desire was to avoid any kind of discomfort and be happy. But by the grace of God, after seven years, God broke that stronghold. And it was not a quick, transformation. It was a daily decision of surrendering my protection for God's and inviting others into the darkest thoughts in my mind, the ones that were too dark to say out loud, the ones that I shouldn't say, and allowing them to speak truth against it and it took years of therapy treatment centers feeding tubes dietitians and most importantly the power of the holy spirit me the power of the holy spirit helping me repent of what i thought i needed to hold on to in order to have the life that i wanted rather than trusting god's plan for my life i had to trust that his plan was perfect and mine was flawed not the other way around And until my daily goal was no longer my own comfort and happiness, but bringing God alone glory, did it change how I chose to live. And I still need that daily reminder today. This is not a totally past thing. I still need this reminder today. Because if God's glory is the reason for our existence, then we have a joy that goes beyond our circumstances. And David points us to why we can have such peace in any circumstance Psalm 62, verse 7, on God rests my salvation and my glory, my mighty rock, my refuge is God. Our immovable foundation is that our salvation rests on God alone. True rest comes only when we trust in him completely. And I rest to the degree that I believe what he has already done. I rest to the degree that I trust him with my identity. I rest to the degree that he has the perfect plan and purpose for my life. That is true rest, soul rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30 says, "'Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, "'and I will give you rest.'" Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When we forget or fail to come to God, we assume to be God. That was the real sin in the garden. It's still the main one now. And the truth is, it isn't that we want to be loved by God. It isn't that we want to be accepted by God. It's that we want to be God. It's like, God, you can keep your love and your acceptance. I want to be the one who knows all and has power over all. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians that his power is made perfect in our weakness. The problem is we want the power and not the weakness. We want to be perfect rather than rest in his perfection. And now there is a sense that we are meant to be like God. We are, after all, made in his image. So there are ways that we are meant to be like him, but not him. And there are attributes of God that we are meant to share, but there are some that we are not. And theologians have broke this up into two different categories over the years, and they are the communicable attributes of God and the incommunicable attributes of God. Now, we're all familiar with communicable diseases, the ones that you can catch and share, And the incommunicable ones which you can't. So the these incommunicable attributes of sorry, the communicable, I'm saying incommunicable and communicable so many times, uh, there are the communicable attributes of God that we are meant to share, like his love, his mercy, wisdom, righteousness. However, the incommunicable attributes we were never meant to possess. And they're a little harder to understand and they usually begin with the word omni. (laughs) Omniscient, all-knowing, omnipotent, all-powerful, omnipresent, he's everywhere at once. God doesn't need anything. He has no beginning, he has no end. He is totally sovereign and free. He does not need anyone or anything. And if the truth be told, in the garden and now, We don't really care to have his communicable attributes. We don't care about righteousness or holiness. What we really want are his incommunicable attributes. We want to be the ones who are all knowing, independent, sovereign. And that's one of the reasons why we don't trust in him alone. It's why we get bitter, it's why we worry. You want to know what worry is? It is a really frustrated attempt at trying to be omniscient. And we worry to the degree that we believe that I know or I should know. I know what is good money, health, obedient kids. I know what should happen. I should be married by now, I should get that promotion. I know the answer to the problem. I know what has to happen in my life to be happy. I know, and I'm afraid God's not going to get it right. That's what worry is. It's forgetting who God is and forgetting who you are. So how do we remind ourselves of who we are? How do we experience this soul rest? A great place to start is prayer. The answer to a restful life is a rich prayer life. And our prayer life is a direct reflection to our dependence on God alone. Yet when things in life get painful, we can fall into a few ditches in order to try to protect ourselves, which actually keep us further from this soul rest that we really desire. Ditch number one is when approached, we say, me and God are working on it. Who's ever said that in our life? We go to God and we don't invite anybody in our life into what we're going through. Ditch number two is everyone in our life knows what we're going through. We'll tell anybody and everybody. But I haven't gone to the one who can do something about it. And ditch number three, which is probably the scariest one, is we go to no one. We say, I got this. I'll see how it works out. I'll deal with it and these ditches remind me of the story of Esther if you're unfamiliar with the story of Esther she was chosen to become queen of Persia which is modern day Iran as a Jew and she had the opportunity to preserve her life or the life of her people the chief minister Haman had made a plot to kill all the Jews so she decided that she was going to go to the king tell him of the plot and plead for the life of her people Now, in that time, if the king did not personally invite you to go see him or approve of your approach of him, you could be killed. So before she goes, she knows she needs some help. So Esther, chapter 4, verses 15 through 16. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Go, gather all the Jews to be found in Susa, and hold a fast on my behalf, and do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my young women will also fast as you do. Then I will go to the king." though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. Notice in verse 15 that Esther actively gets her community group around her. She gets her community group gals. She goes and gets her friends. She doesn't go to God privately and then tell all of them afterwards. She doesn't go to her girls and say, I'm going to go do this. Maybe maybe God is over it, but I don't know, and just goes and, and takes care of it. She says, this is too big to go alone, and I need everybody in on it. She gets her girls around her. We need to be like that. We need to be women who are willing to be weak and broken before God. We need to be women who are willing to be weak and broken before one another. When was the last time you were truly weak before a friend and didn't have it all together like you should? 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. See, the fault in our armor is that it protects us from the wrong things. We can only protect ourselves from things that we see as potential threats. So how do we trust in or hope for or protect us from things that we can't see? We have to trust someone who can. When we guard ourselves from weakness, we guard ourselves from his strength. Where are you at today? How can you respond? Maybe you need to be reminded of God's presence in your life and sit with him. Maybe you need to wait in silence before God. Maybe you need to speak to the deepest part of you and go to God with who and what you have been looking to to be your real protector. And here's what I have found. God is not someone we can fully know alone. He is not someone we can fully experience apart from community. And I know more about God because of my friends, not less. So with my own friends, I know more about Megan when Sophie's around because Sophie brings something out in Megan that I don't. And rather than feeling insufficient in my friendship, I can rejoice in a deeper experience of my friend because of my other friend. And that is the same with God. He is not someone we can fully experience and know alone. Who wants to know more of God? We do. We do. So we're going to do that. We are going to practice doing what David says in in verse 1. For God alone, my soul waits in silence. And I'm just going to sit on these front stairs, and I'm going to invite you to join me. And if this is hard for you, you're in good company. (laughs) If it's hard for you to sit and not let your mind wander to a million places, that's okay. If it's helpful to get out one of your journals and start writing notes to hone in your thoughts, do that. If it's helpful to pace on the side of the room or in the back of the room, do that. But I do believe that there is something that God has for each of us to hear from him. So Andrew is going to play some music for us in the back. And I just want to invite you with wherever you are at to sit and meet with God. He wants to speak to you tonight. So let's do it. Now we're going to have an opportunity to respond. Even if you don't fully know what you need prayer for, I just invite you to come up and allow someone to pray with you. The band's going to lead us in worship, but let's not leave this place without responding to what God has been speaking to you. So I'm just going to pray and then the band's going to start. Jesus, we thank you for being with us tonight. We thank you for your word. Thank you that you speak so personally to us and that you have more in store for us. Thank you that we get a chance to know you more together. Thank you for your presence. Come more, Holy Spirit. We ask you to continue to come. Continue to speak to us. We love you, Lord. Thank you for being our true protector, the true guard of our lives, the true hero of the story. We love you, Lord.